Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. Um, in fact, we were at a, by the, by the by, we were at a naming ceremony. They're not here today, are they, Toby and Abby? No. We're at name, a naming ceremony for a couple in our church. Um, uh, Nigerian sort of background and this child had 21 names yeah? I don't think Chloe's got 21 names Jamie, no, no that's good. Um, and, uh, but this child had 21 names the names that mattered were Charlotte Lowell that was the name uh, all the other names uh, we didn't really know know them but um, that was the name that mattered um, so it was great it was great to be there it's great to be here today and you know, I honour families who want to do this, and I, so I honour Jamie and Janine for wanting to do this, and for your family to come to support you in doing this. Um, I remember doing this for my children, and I still remember those days. I still remember the days when we said, thank you, God, for the birth, and that we're all involved. Um, and it's a day that, it's a long time ago now for, for us, for me and Pauline. Um, our youngest is 17, as you know. She's at home uh, preparing for exams or in bed. One of those two things <laughs> kind of go together. Um, but it is a day of great joy and happiness for the family. And so before we um, sort of do that dedication part of the service, I've just asked a couple of people. So Ben and Emma and Bill, who are just part of the church, who have families, they're just going to come and give a few words about uh, in their in their eyes about parenting, you know, surprising <laughs> discoveries, things that you'd wish you'd been told before you had your children, and they're, so they're just going to come and give a, a little thing. So, uh, uh, so what? yeah. <laughs> ben, 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 ben. If I give you charge of the mic, and the three of you can what? just. Um, parenting it's a joy it's a struggle at times it's glorious really yeah but it it highlights issues that you have in you as well as and so you sort of see oh yes I need more patience yes I need more yeah I need more sleep I need more when they're young (laughs) And when they're older, they get to bed later than you. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I think I think probably for us, one thing we've learned most of all is the need for the Holy Spirit uh, to bring real wisdom and to bring real guidance. Um, I think probably certainly for myself, I, I started as a parent. I thought I thought I knew everything. I had watched all these other people. Oh, oh my, my kids won't do that. Oh, I won't do that. I won't do that. And they, they, they will definitely do that. And you, and you know what? They never did. All my kids, that they read. Well, you know, be careful now. Um, but because he's controlling the volume. But um, <laughs> so I better be careful, I think. But they so often didn't do what I wanted them to do. But they so often did all the things I didn't want them to do. The things that I did. Uh, and so yeah, I think at that stage, just some wisdom to come with that. Uh, also, I think what we probably found is kids. They. They have the most amazing ability to take you through every single emotion, through pure joy to absolute hatred, back to pure joy, and they do it in 30 minutes. I, I, I just, I don't know how they do it, but they just do. 
and so again, just you come to it and you just go, I just need some wisdom. I need some guidance as to how to get this to work. And so, uh, uh, and yeah, yeah, here we are. And I suppose also just the, the last bit uh, I was going to say is, um, I've forgotten it now, so I'll pause in a bit. <laughs> some brains, clearly. Um, one of the surprising things I learned was a few. One is I sometimes get my toenails painted by my daughter. Um, and I'm, I'm okay admitting that. Because it's just fun and you can take it off when they're not around. Um, when I go to work, yeah. I don't walk around barefoot at work. Um, being a parent is more than keeping something else alive. It's, it's um, giving them a life, teaching them how to live a life. Um, most people can keep any, pretty much anything alive other than Jen, who has this passion for killing plants. Um, but it's keeping you alive. But not just food and drink and clothes, because that's quite straightforward, but it's teaching you how to live, uh, how to make decisions, uh, the difference between right and wrong, um, stranger danger and all that kind of stuff, and that's all changing as well now, so it's not just people you meet on the streets, it's people you meet online, and that's something none of us ever grew up with, and that's just really weird to navigate as well. Um, but totally agree about the range of emotions, uh, but one thing I think that surprised me was just this ability to be loved by somebody absolutely unconditionally, mm. and my kids are just getting to the age where they're realising that I'm not perfect. <laughs> um, I've even had Sam say... I've had... Um, Yes, no, yes. I've had Sam say, Daddy, I know you're not perfect, but I still love you. <laughs> Only he would say that. Um, but it's just it's just different. So when you're married to someone, they obviously know something of you and your history, and that's an interesting relationship um, because there's lots of give and take, and it's difficult. You have to work hard at loving that person unconditionally. But a child doesn't have to do that. They just do it anyway. And I think that was probably the most surprising thing, the one thing I wasn't expecting. Um, and that in, in itself has the ability just to destroy all your hard exterior and turn you into mush, no matter how butch or macho you think you are or how emotional you think you are. It just takes you to a place that I don't think you know about until you've actually been there with a child. So, yeah. Okay. Okay, well, thank you for uh, the wisdom of parenting. Um, so why do we do dedications in this church, and why do we do it in the way that we do? I mean, I'm very happy, if, if she's happy. Um, and I think there are a number of reasons why it's always good to remind ourselves, why do we do this, and why, and why don't we do this? So uh, uh, just give a brief explanation. Um, we want to recognise that children are a gift from God. And in Psalm 127, the uh, ESV or contemporary English version, it says this. Children are a blessing and a gift from the Lord. So we understand that all good things come from God, including our families, our children. They are a gift, not a right. They are a blessing, not a problem. Uh, we also believe that ultimately they are God's and they're not ours. And so if you have those fundamental understandings in your head, it will impact how you raise your children. 
Um, also, dedicating our children is an, is an act of thanksgiving to God. It's, it's right to say thank you to God for the birth of a child um, and to give thanks in a, in a context of worship. And we're acknowledging his lordship over everything that we have and everything that we are. Uh, parents who bring their children for dedication are asking God to bless them and the lives of their children. And this is what it says in Mark chapter 10. Jesus says, let the children come to me. Don't try to stop them. People who are like these little children belong to the kingdom of God. I promise you that you cannot get into God's kingdom unless you accept it the way a child does. And in a way, Bill was describing that when he talked about the unconditional grace and the unconditional acceptance that children have of their parents, certainly until the age where they get to realise, oh, you're not everything. You're not all I thought you were. Then Jesus took the children in his arms and he blessed them by placing his hands on them. So just as people brought their children to Jesus that he might touch and bless them, we seek his blessing on our child's lives. Even though Jesus isn't here with us physically, he's here by spirit, we are still seeking that same blessing. Parents are making a vow, a sacred vow really, to raise their children in the ways of the Lord. That's one of the things that we do when we have these services. Parents, don't be hard on your children. Raise them up properly teach them and instruct them about the lord so when when parents stand before the lord and the church to dedicate themselves they're publicly saying i'm going to raise my child or my children in the ways of god as best i know how that's what i'm going to do it's more than just promising to take them or send them to church while they're young although that's important it's a vow to live a Christian life as an example to the children, telling them the stories of the Bible and praying for them. And then for, the, for, for all of us, the rest of us, it's a commitment made by their family, friends, the local church, uh, that whilst parents have the primary responsibility for raising children, the wider family and the church equally have a responsibility to stand with them in raising children. And certainly I would say for, for Pauline and I, we've we, we raised three girls. It was not just us. <laughs> it was not just us. We had lots of uh, support, wider family, uh, the church around us that supported and helped us and created an environment whereby children felt accepted and supported. And, and one of the things that we're trying to do as a church is to create that very environment where children feel accepted, supported, they're taught and they're discipled. Uh, by the church what are we not doing so it's just worth saying this we're not making children christians because we can't do that a christian is someone who has come to that place through repentance and faith it might be a journey it might be in a moment but either way they come to a place through repentance and faith where they accept jesus as their personal savior we can't do that for a, for a six-month-old baby. We can't do that for them. So we won't even try and do that for them. We might pray that one day they come to that place, but we can't do it for them. Secondly, we are not just following a tradition. Not that traditions are bad, but we don't just do it because we've always done it. We do it quite specifically because it's right and appropriate to celebrate new life together. 
So it's just worth making those points uh, before we move ahead. So what we're going to do is, is Janine's going to bring Chloe. Uh, Chloe's a bit, a bit unsettled today, isn't it? But, but, but she's with her mum, and so she's with her mum, so that's fine. Um, so Jamie and Janine, if you'd like to come forward, just to say this, that um, they've asked that whilst you're free to take photos, don't put those photos on social media. Jamie and Janine just asked us not to do that. So they'll come forward. You're going to come stand here in the middle. Um, and because we want to make this, this is a real moment for them, but it's also a moment for us, for the family. Um, we're going to ask that those who are uh, sort of particularly close, family, friends who've come, and people in the church, maybe in their small group or whatever, to come. And it's going to be a little bit chaotic. But I'm going to ask you all to come out and stand with them. So I just want you to... Chloe, in a moment, I'm going to hold you for about 30 seconds. But we'll do that in a moment. Um, and it will be 30 seconds. OK, so why don't we just come out? It's going to be a little bit chaotic, but can we just come out? If you've come with them particularly, or if you are particularly... You know, they're part of your group or something. <laughs> okay, if you move more into the middle so that people can come round the round the back of you as well. So guys, if you can. Okay, and so for the rest of the church I'd like us to stand because although we might not have a direct role, we still have a role. And just for a couple of moments i want us all to pray and if you're right close to them lay your hands on them and let's pray for jamie and janine and baby chloe here let's, let's just all lift our voices and pray one or two people are able just to pray out publicly and we can get behind those prayers. And the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord lift the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace now and forevermore. Father, we pray a blessing upon this family. Lord, we commit ourselves to stand with them as they commit themselves to raise this child in your way. 
We ask your blessing upon them. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 <laughs> Chloe doesn't like the crowd so much. <laughs> Okay, can I do it? Can I do a behavior? I'm going to try it. So the last few weeks as a church we have been um, looking at the gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians and in various other places and quite conveniently we've got to uh, a point today which I think would be really appropriate to speak on and that is uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 which is the chapter on love and uh, if I'm if my memory serves me I think I spoke on love at the wedding of Jamie and Janine um, a, a, a while back now but it's just felt that this is the right passage to be speaking on because we've been looking at the gifts of the Holy Spirit 1 Corinthians 12 1 Corinthians 14 and a number of other passages and nestled right in the middle of that is this passage on love and so we're just going to spend a few moments looking at the first part of this passage at the end of chapter 12 it says this and yet I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, today. We thank you for uh, just this opportunity to to uh, stand with Jamie and Janine. We pray for Chloe. We pray for her health. Right now, God, we ask that you would come and draw very close to her. Uh, we pray that you'll give them peace in Jesus' name. Amen. So in some ways, one of the most profound uh, passages in the Bible, um, and in other ways, a, a passage that really um, supersedes where it is in the scripture. Most people wouldn't even realise, some people wouldn't even know it comes from the Bible. Yeah, It's become so famous in and of itself, 1 Corinthians 13. But it's really interesting looking at 1 Corinthians 13 in its true context, in between 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, and both of those are all about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's what it's about. This passage, as much as you might be able to buy it framed, was not done as a poem. Paul wasn't writing a poem to people that there was a moment where he just launched into a, a sort of poetry, even though for some people it has become that. It's much, much more than a poem. 
it's a continuous discussion or teaching on the gifts of the spirit and in particular how those gifts should operate and really if you think about it what it says is really quite stark and really quite strong if i speak in the tongues if i speak in tongues but i don't have love i'm just making hot air if I have the gift of prophecy, and some of us here have the gift of prophecy, if I can fathom mysteries, if I can distinguish between spirits, if I've got knowledge, if I have faith that can move mountains. Remember, Jesus talked about faith that can move mountains. You might have faith that can move mountains, but if you don't have love, you're nothing. You're nothing without love. If you give all you possess to the poor. So if you're one of those people that will give everything to the poor, you give your life, you serve, you help people that are less fortunate than you. You do it completely, totally. You give your life to that. You're prepared to sacrifice your own body for that. If you do that, but you don't have love, it's meaningless. It's meaningless. You gain nothing now actually that's quite strong when i thought about it i thought oh my goodness if i don't have love then all the things that i think are really good that i do are meaningless they don't actually mean anything and i was pretty um so that that, that was quite strong for me that was quite a challenge for me but even up front, this passage is a challenge for us because the last verse of chapter 12, which is the first verse that is linked to chapter 13, is this. And yet I will show you the most excellent way. And I wanted to just talk a little bit about excellence. Because what I've noticed, and you may have noticed it or you may not have noticed that in churches, in life, there is a growing value of excellence. People want to do things excellently. People want to do things really, really well. People want to sort of, and it's almost like that, that that's an important part of how we do stuff, that we do it really, really well. And in the church, so that value I think is there. I don't think that's a Christian value, but I think it is in the church, that value of excellence. And some of you are thinking, yeah, that's good. Good. It's good that we're excellent. Yeah, it's good that the chairs are in the right rows and it's good that everything works. Yeah. And we have, and I'm about to dismantle that, but yeah. Um, and we have this idea that by doing things really, really well in the church, people are maybe more likely to respond to the gospel. It's going to be easier for them. That's the kind of thinking that we would have. It's going to be easier for them. The idea that that if I if, if I if, if when people come to church, I've heard people say this, if they come to church, um, it's not going to be any different than if they went to like a show in the West End. It's going to be really excellent, really well done. Um, then people are maybe more likely. To be reached for the gospel. That somehow it shows God. Or Christians in a better light when we do things 
excellently. But as I thought about that, and if you actually read about that in the Bible, particularly that word excellence or doing things excellently, you'll discover this. This is the only passage where it uses that term in that kind of context. I mean, it talks about most excellent Festus or whoever he is, but it, the Bible never actually talks about excellence as a value in the way I've just described. It doesn't talk about it. For me, personally, it's no different to saying when you come to church, you should wear your Sunday best. Because somehow it's a way of reflecting to God that, you know, you, you know you're going to give him your best. So you wear your best clothes. Now, one of the reasons that we don't do that is because there's another truth which says God just accepts me as I am. Therefore, wearing my best clothes is not really it's not really the most important thing. Yeah, I, I don't need to dress up in a certain tie to come to church because God accepts me as I am. Excellence is not spoken in the scripture of a value. If you are going to pursue excellence, pursue it in where the Bible says to pursue it. And that is in love. I will show you yet. I will show you the most excellent way. The problem with excellence as a separate value is it takes away from this kind of value of showing excellence in how you love, in recognising how you relate. Show excellence in your prayer life. And by that, I don't mean are you praying for hours upon hours upon hours every day all the time? I don't, I don't mean that. But that you're dedicated and committed to praying. That's the way to show excellence. Show excellence in your parenting. That doesn't mean that your children. The problem with excellence is when you come to families, you go, do you know what? We're just going to have to change the rules a little bit. Yeah, because with my kids, I, we didn't pursue excellence at home. Yeah. Why? Because I couldn't keep up excellence myself. Yeah. I would fall asleep. I would I would say something I shouldn't say. The girls would do something they shouldn't do. As Ben said, all the things I wanted my girls to do, they didn't do. And all the things I didn't want them to do, they did do. And all the things, all the areas of me that were weak, they exposed. There was no excellence in it. Yeah. At times you felt like you were just holding on. Isn't that true, parents? You just you feel like I'm, I've just I've literally just got hold of them. And I remember there was one point and, and thankfully this didn't happen. So I can share it. Otherwise, it'd be a bit sad. Uh, there was one point when one of my children was maybe hadn't yet reached teenage years. And I remember thinking to myself, will she still be with us when she's 16? <laughs> will we make it? Are we actually all going to make it here together? Because it wasn't that easy. It wasn't that straightforward. And it certainly wasn't excellent. It wasn't excellent. It wasn't the standard. The standard at times was that will do. That will do. That's OK. That's the that's the best I can do. Yeah, that's the best I can do with everything else going on in my life. That's the best I can do.
The problem with putting the value of excellence in anything other than what the Bible puts it in is it takes away from what the Bible puts it in. You see, God's truth should and always be universally, not culturally, applied. Excellence is a very strong value in our culture. Yeah. A few weeks ago, I was in Kenya. And one of the things that I did in Kenya was we visited some slums in a place called the Mathari slums. And let me just give you an idea of what that was like. Uh, if you've never been to a, a place like that, um, imagine... I don't know how many of you would know. Um, so if you live in Lambeth, you'll know Brockwell Park. Maybe if you live um, in, uh, what's, that, what's that big park in Beckenham? Beckenham Place Park. So there's some big parks, yeah? Right, okay, so imagine, imagine Beckenham Place Park, Brockwell Park, and these places are too big, but just imagine those places. Imagine everyone in Lewisham and in Lambeth living in the one park. Yeah. So that is half a million people living in one park and probably in a smaller place than that. Imagine everyone living there and then imagine that whilst you're living there, there no one comes to collect the rubbish ever. Yeah. And so it just builds. Imagine that uh, there's no underground sewers. All the sewers are just there. You can see them. Imagine that the electricity, there's no standards for electricity. So one of one of your biggest dangers is is faulty electricity leads to uh, leads to fires in people's homes. Ima imagine that. And then imagine that the home you lived in is smaller than the kitchen through there. Yeah. And that half a million people live in a relatively small space in properties no bigger than that. Which you don't. That's the slum. Those, those, that, that was the slum. And I'll be honest, I went to the slum and it was like at times it felt like visiting when I go to uh, do the recycling to the sort of dump place. That's what it felt like at times. And I was like, oh, my goodness, because part of me thought, oh, gosh, I'm not sure if I could live here. I'm not sure if I could live here. But what I found in the slum was I found people that loved God in the slum. And not only did I find people that loved God, I found that God was in the slum. And you know what? If you think about that for too long, that's quite challenging. God was in the slum. So it wasn't that God was trying to get everyone out of the slum in order for them to be better. He was in the slum. He was with them. What I found was you could apply this truth about love as equally valid in the slum as you can on the streets of London, that there's no difference. You could apply it. You could apply love in that in that context as much as you could apply it in this context. You can't do that with excellence. You can't. Because when you live in a slum, your number one priority is survival. It's will there be food today? Will I be safe tomorrow? I remember one child saying when I used to come home from school, I would look to see whether there was any smoke coming out of the chimney of my house, because if there was, it meant we would eat tonight. And if there wasn't, it meant that we weren't going to eat tonight. 
Imagine living that kind of survival lifestyle. Yeah? You, you don't pursue excellence there. You don't go, there's this other value that we're going to do everything. No, you just go, okay, how am I going to make this work? How are we going to survive? In that slum, nearly half the households were led either by a single parent, mainly a woman, or an older child. 12 years old, 13 years old, that kind of age. But the truth about God's values will always exist wherever we are. Because you realised, I realised when I was in that slum, God material things really don't matter to you. They do matter to me, but they really don't matter to you. Because all the things that really matter to you are as present here as they are where I live. The love, the kindness, the fruits of the spirit, the gentleness, the self-control, the presence of God. They're all as much here as they are where I am. In fact, they're probably more so here because there aren't so many other things that get in the way that block them out. God's truth should always be universal, not culturally applied. I should be able to walk into a place that's very, very different to the place that I live and be able to recognise, oh, God is present here. God's here. The love of God is here. And you could do that in those slums in Mathari. You can do that with biblical truth. You can find the most excellent way of people who would speak in tongues of men and of angels. There was one young guy there who spoke and he really challenged me because he said things like, I thank God I was born in the slum because in the slum is where I found God. In the slum is where I had the presence of God. In the slum, I found generosity. In the slum, I found all these different things that are fruits and gifts of the Holy Spirit. Love is the key ingredient to understanding how we live with God. Love is. The gifts are wonderful. Yeah, and love isn't a gift, it's a fruit. And most people don't get the fact that God primarily is a God of love. That's why Jesus came. That's why God did what we couldn't do when when John was talking about, would I die for somebody? There are only some people. We have a very deserving kind of idea of who we might die for. There are people who deserve our help and there are people who don't deserve our help. God doesn't think that way. God died for people who did not deserve it. And we were part of that. And you know what? He did that in order that we might learn to demonstrate his love to people who don't deserve it. Just like he did that for us when we did not deserve it. But all too quickly, we become conditional, deserving. Do you deserve it? Oh, they don't really deserve our help. They, they, they have squandered their wealth. That's not how God relates to us. And it's not how we should relate to others. The most excellent way is the way of love. 
and the gifts of the Holy Spirit are to be manifestly used through that gift of love. Here's my Bible. And just to close, I'm just going to read. Just a couple of verses that describe what this passage says love is. Because this is the kind of thing that we need to be praying for and seek in our own lives. It's also the kind of thing that God demonstrates to us. So 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 says this. Love is patient. Why don't we just close our eyes? Because I'm just going to pray off the back of this. And this. Let's just focus on these words. Love is patient. Don't I need patience? Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Father, this morning we are asking you to help us to operate your gifts in love. We are asking you, O oh God, to help us to operate as parents in love. We are asking that you would help us operate in our relationships in love. Father, we recognise that you are love. God is love. And what that means is you don't keep a record of wrongs. It means that you will always protect. And Father, we are praying that you would do the same for us. Father, I ask that we would know what it is to follow your most excellent way. The way of love. That we would allow that fruit to be manifest in our own lives, that we would cultivate it, we would fertilise around it, we would do everything we can to ensure love bears fruit in our lives. Father, it would be amazing to be part of a community that made love its foundation and love its goal. And Father, it might not always look excellent, 
because family life never does, rarely does. But it can always be full of love. It can always have you at the heart. And so I pray, Father, for that for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to finish there. And I, uh, I'm sure there'll be drinks. There's, there's hot weather outside. I brought it along. It hotter as the day went on. Um, uh, thank you so much for coming. And particularly if you're visiting, uh, you're very welcome. Please stay around for a drink and stuff. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team or upcoming events, please visit our website, which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.